Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Rudy Giuliani. Good afternoon, this is Rudy Giuliani, and welcome to the Rudy Giuliani Show. And uh, I... um, I almost feel like I should apologize for the position of the government of the United States doing everything that it can, uh, pathetically doing everything that it can to uh, protect, preserve, and continue Hamas as a terrorist organization. Because um, when you learn how to interpret the Biden administration, and you have to have read Orwell's 1984 to do that, you know they always mean the opposite of what they're saying. Because like their um, leader, if you can call Biden a leader, uh, they're pathological liars, and uh, which comes about from being trained communists, many of them. So uh, what they have done is they have led Israel down a, uh, down a path to defeat. Uh, the idea that you can now eliminate Hamas is very, very remote. And uh, Bibi, I think... Um, is unfortunately going to have to pay a very heavy price domestically for this. I don't know that he had a choice. Uh, Israel can't really function in a war like this, particularly with the possibilities of of its becoming a two and three front war without the support of the United States. And that was that was uh, implicit in the threats, you know, from the very beginning. But uh, from the minute they bought into the idea of delays, Hamas won. Uh, because uh, the delays allow Hamas to hide and conceal their leadership beyond what they have already accomplished. I mean, even if things had remained without that, uh, you would have had the upper leadership of Hamas preserved because the U.S. allows them to be protected in Qatar. When I say allows them to, the U.S. with the snap of a finger could require the Qatar government to turn over the three people in in uh, in Qatar who run Hamas and 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 have uh, stolen enormous amounts of humanitarian aid and made themselves billionaires off UN humanitarian aid. Please understand that the organization the UN uses to distribute this is no different than an organization that would work for. The Mexican cartels, the mafia, uh, it's a criminal organization. It's made up of mostly thieves, dishonest, horrible human beings, uh, which, of course, is what the U.N. is made of, of mostly. I can tell you that from having had the uh, unfortunate responsibility of policing them for eight years, and they are a menace to their own people and the people of New York City. Uh, you can't possibly imagine the number of crimes the U.N. delegation commits and you can't imagine just how perverted they are in all respects. So we give that money. Well, I mean, Trump didn't. Biden restored money to the U.N. Relief Agency. That money is all stolen. It doesn't go to people. So
So um, the re- the reality is that by following um, by following uh, Biden's advice, which Bibi had no choice, I guess, to do, and delaying and then continuing the delay. Uh, the Hamas leadership, second level leadership, the first level leadership is well protected. They're billionaires and they're sitting in Qatar and three or four other countries. They're going to remain no matter what BB or Israel does. The question is, are you going to take everybody else out? Well, you've now you've now protected the second level of leadership. They are out of northern Gaza. They're all in the south, hidden away, possibly in other countries as well. They've had a week or more to do that and really more than that. Uh, and second, you don't think this heavy emphasis, including from that complete sop who's speaking right now, it's almost impossible to look at him without getting a, a, a reaction in your stomach. Like, that's a man? What is, what is that piece of junk that's talking? Oh, that's our Secretary of State. I see Alphonse D'Amato's doing a pretty good job of ripping him a new you-know-what. And... Um, so this guy is talking about, well, now that we're going to continue the war in the South, it's got to be done differently. We can't kill civilians. Well, if you can't kill civilians, you can't kill Hamas because Hamas hides behind civilians. I don't know if Blinken or Biden or any of these people would care because uh, communists like them don't care about the truth. But the fact is that we, the United States of America, killed a lot more civilians in Afghanistan and Iraq than the IDF did. And think about that. Afghanistan and Iraq, as far as I could tell, didn't uh, maximize or develop the tactic of getting civilians killed. But even with that, the collateral damage resulted in many civilians getting killed because you're having, you're having warfare in towns. And necessarily, a lot of these uh, ter- terrorists just on their own, without even a plan, will hide behind behind them. Hamas has perfected it to a science, right? Uh, they've been criticized about it by left-wing groups that are now all hiding. So even with that, the IDF kills significantly fewer civilians than the United States Army has done. And, 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 and uh, Biden and uh, Stinkin' Blinken have the nerve to lecture Israel on don't kill civilians in the South. Well, they might as well say don't kill Hamas. Hamas just got the answer. Go get four civilians, stick them in front of you, and uh, the President of the United States says you can't kill me. I stay alive. So now tell me how you end uh, Hamas if you don't kill their their, uh, warriors. How do you end them? You don't. Which has been Biden's objective from day one. Now, you say to me, well, why does Biden not want to end Hamas? Because Iran doesn't want to end Hamas. They've given them millions and millions of dollars. Not only have they given them millions and millions of dollars, but a lot of that money has come from us. What do you, what do you think Iran did with the hundreds of millions that uh, Obama gave them in cash? Uh, built programs for the poor? They wouldn't need cash for that. What do you need cash for? Hey, Prince Obama, did you figure that out? When when they ask you for cash, Prince Obama, did you say to yourself, what the hell do they want cash for? I don't know. When we uh, when we send money to England or France or Italy, uh, does the prime minister call, call up and say, uh, hey, Prince Obama, 
Send me about, uh, oh, sorry, about, about $100 million in cash. The rest of it can be by wire. I don't know if too many of those people are doing that. We've really got to investigate you, pal. You know who does money and uh, does business in cash, right? Right, right, right. Organized criminals. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And terrorists. So why the hell do you think they wanted cash? Because they didn't want, they didn't want the problem having to go to the bank and cash to check. They could just pass it right on to Hezbollah, Hamas. Who do, and the Quds Force. Who do they kill? Jews and Americans. You don't think Soleimani got some of, 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 of uh, Prince Obama's uh, blood money? And then went on a spree of three years of killing your boys and our boys and women? That guy is sitting there, a multi-zillionaire, Obama, with the blood of Americans on his hands. And he, he walks around like he's a prince. He's a prince of darkness. That's what he is. And, and Biden, you know, is carrying it out even worse. He wanted to fork over $6 billion to them. I, I say this again, and it is I want someone to dispute this. How can you claim to be a friend of Israel and give hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, to a country that is dedicated to the destruction of Israel and the Jewish people? Explain that to me. When you have absolutely no control over how they spend that money. You have no internal control over how they spend that money. You say you do, and they contradict you. You said that this was going to be used for humanitarian purposes. They go on television and say, screw you. We'll use it for whatever you want to use it for. And what's their biggest priority? Killing Jews. This would be like giving $6 billion to Hitler and saying, gee, I was really surprised that he used some of that to kill Jews. So we've got a president that is off the wall uh, running uh, the government for some other country, not America. You know, America first, it used to be the debate over America first. Now, (laughs) America's not even in the equation. This is China first, Iran second, uh, Palestine third, anybody you can find fourth, and anybody will give Hunter money fifth. It's a tragedy what's going on. And uh, don't fool yourself. It's going to be very, very tough for BB and for the uh, Israeli people to do what they have to do to protect themselves. And what they have to do to protect themselves is to wipe out Hamas. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Uh, otherwise, what you saw happen uh, last month is going to happen again and again and again. Uh, and uh, the ridiculous uh, support that they have which is mindless and stupid, if not evil, will just grow and grow and grow. I mean, the, 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 the hostages that have been returned should, should create a reaction of, my goodness, the Israeli people and the Jewish people were right. Who are they returning? They're returning children and women. So therefore, who did they go in there to get? Women and children. This wasn't like an army that went in there. 
It was a group of sniveling little creep weasels that went in there that prey on women and children. They went in there, and the only thing they had were the maps for the for the kibbutzim. Now, what are kibbutzim? They're residential neighborhoods, residential projects, farm projects, but residential, civilian. They don't have soldiers there. They didn't go after the Israeli army. They went after. They went after actually the most peaceful Israelis they could find. <laughs> they 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 have a history of being peaceniks. You know they they. Put up those signs and those V's and all that crazy stuff about uh, everybody is going to be at peace. Everybody's going to love each other. You know, the ones who really put us in great jeopardy of getting screwed all the time. And uh, but these are people they killed. Well, we'll be back in 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 uh, in a very, very short period of time and uh, uh, a very short uh, bre- break. And then we're going to have Lizzie Savetsky on. And I wanted to talk to Lizzie because she has a very, very uh, uh, determined and very, uh, a very strong point of view that I respect very much about how to deal with this hostage situation. Now, I have a different point of view, and I really would like you to hear both parts of it, not in a confrontational way, because both sides pull at your heart if you're a decent human being. If you're not, you just make a decision. But if you're a decent human being, this is not an easy decision. We'll be back very shortly. The Rudy Giuliani Show on 77 WABC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Rudy Giuliani Show. This is Rudy Giuliani back with the Rudy Giuliani Show with something I have to tell you that to me has a great deal of personal connection. Uh, This whole dancing around with Hamas, which I have told you from the very beginning, would result in more Israelis being killed than would have happened if they had just invaded the damn place with 200,000 troops and just wiped all of Hamas out uh, without much warning. Uh, All of this, uh, uh, you know, delay, 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 brought about by our pathetic president and his trips there, in a demented stupor uh, and carried out by his uh, little henchman, like uh, this poor excuse for a human being. That's our secretary of state. Well, today three people were killed and six were wounded uh, at a bus stop in Jerusalem. Uh, and and it, there's no fooling around. Hamas has claimed credit for it. This is a ceasefire. This is a seat. Ce- we're having a ceasefire. And they come and killed uh, three, three. I mean, these aren't civilians that were being used to hide uh, IDF or to hide Netanyahu or to hide the head of the Israeli army. No, no. These were civilians getting ready to go on a bus to go to work, damn it. And these animals came and killed them. 
This, they, made, they, didn't, they didn't send out uh, flyers for four or five days saying, don't go near the bus stop. There's a difference here. And uh, all these American kids that you saw yesterday are on the wrong side of it. Not only are they on the wrong side of it, they're on the immoral side. They're on the evil side. They're on the criminal side. And we sit back like it doesn't show some substantial deterioration that really could lead to the end of America as we know it. But when did America ever, I mean, this would be like America supporting Hitler. Like we had bunches of kids marching in the streets from Harvard and Yale and elsewhere saying, Hitler's really right. This is Hitler. This is Hitler. They have the same goals as Hitler. They want to wipe out the Jewish people. They just wiped out three of them today uh, while a ceasefire is. Let's have a ceasefire. But during the ceasefire, we're going to go into Jerusalem. We're going to kill three of your people. Livia Dickman, uh, a rabbinical judge, Elamek Wasserman, and Hannah Efragon. One was 24, one was 73. One was 60. They are no longer alive. In addition, six others were seriously injured. Now, what does this remind me of? It reminds me of the day I was sitting in my office and there was a bombing on the Jerusalem bus. And I called my friend Ehud Omer and I said, Ehud, what can I do to help you? You got an attack there. You got an attack in Tel Aviv. I can send something. And he said, come here. I said, what do you mean come here? He said, come here. I said, I can't just leave being mayor. He said, if you come here, you can't imagine what it will do for the morale of our people. We put that bus in service again. You and I will ride it and say, screw you. I'm telling you what he said. Screw you, and I won't tell you what he called them. You're not, atta- you're not attacking us without our fighting back, and you're not going to beat us. So I thought about it for a minute, and I got on the next plane, and I went to Jerusalem, and I rode the bus with my friend Ehud. And uh, Ted, you want to? You wanna? Not only so, and you had you know people asked why why are you doing this right? And one thing you said early on was if if we let the terrorists dictate our behaviors, they win. So you you were very clear on why you did that, and so you went you went over there on March twelfth, nineteen ninety six. You rode the same bus route. It was, it was a number eighteen bus line in Jerusalem. Uh, it was hit twice. Dozens of We're going to take killed. a short break, and when we get back, we'll have Lizzie Savitsky with us, and we'll, we'll get back to this also. This is Rudy Giuliani back with you on the Rudy Giuliani Show, and I'm very honored to have with me Lizzie uh, Savetsky, who uh, I heard on on the Sid on the Sid Show, and I thought it was one of the most beautiful and uh, moving explanations of why uh, you really have to uh, trade. Oh, let's say a lot of uh, of the of the of the Palestinians for, you know, even one Jewish life. On the other hand, as a former mayor and having worked for a president, and I, I kind of think it, there has to be a different decision by the government. But I re- really would like her to express herself because she can express it a lot better than I can. 
uh, and Lizzie is an outspoken activist for Israel and the Jewish people. She works with numerous nonprofit and uh, philanthropic movements. Uh, she was an honorary grand marshal for the Celebrate Israel Parade. I mean, this is a woman who doesn't just talk, she does. And uh, I'm very honored to have her. Lizzie, how are you? Hi, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you, Mayor Giuliani, for having me. Um, I so appreciate your support yeah. and your kind words. Well, Lizzie, tell me, uh, so you're, you're uh, Bibi Netanyahu, and you're faced with, um, to get back uh, 10 Israelis, you have to give up, let's say, 30 Palestinians. Uh, now, you, you, I'm really... Tell me how you, know, you tell me how you how how you analyze that, uh, because I sort of come from law enforcement, the sort of school you don't negotiate with the terrorists because it encourages more of it. So tell me how you how you get through it. You're right about not negotiating with terrorists. And um, it's a really this is an issue. I'm torn between my I heart know. and my head. And, you know, my heart is 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 going to win this one, though, because um I really, at the, it says in the Talmud that to save a life is to save the world. And, you know, Golda Meir, who's a hero of mine. Me too. She said, she said um, that we value life and that's our strength. And some might also say that it's our weakness because we are dealing with people who do not value life. We not only value the lives of our own people, we value the lives of everyone we care for terrorist center hospital in Israel. Um, I say we, I mean the, the people no, of Israel. No, yeah, I, I know, I, I know you And you should say um, we because you've done so much for them. You are. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm part of Israel, too. I've been there a great deal. I, I went there after several yeah. bombings. And uh, so I feel like I'm part Israeli also. So, Yeah, we, we're so incredibly grateful for your unwavering support. Um, it, means, it means the world in a time where we feel like we have so little. But I, yeah, I mean, it, and it is our it is our weakness in the sense that we are dealing with people who do not, or I don't even want to call them people. I know they don't value they don't value any life, not of their own or anyone else. You know, they, this so um, it's a very tough situation. Yeah. But it, how can we how can we pass up any opportunity to save to save these people? And I see. These videos of these children, you know, I've I've gotten very close with several of them. Of course, you see it, and your heart your heart so, goes out to them, and you want you you want to give up your own life to let them live. I, I but yeah, I, I, I want, mean, I listen. Want, I I don't think it was a good. I don't think it's a good deal. And we saw today oh my that gosh, no. the two terrorists. Did you you saw today that the the two terrorists who who murdered those three innocent Israelis were prisoners in Israeli prisons for terrorist activity were released and then went out and murdered, right murdered these innocent Israelis. So this is this is what we deal with. So here's here's here is uh, here's, here's my thinking on it. Going back to 2011, when they released uh, 1,027 Palestinian, mostly soldiers, killers, for one uh, very very for brave soldier. Police. Yeah. Uh, almost immediately, within a year or two, uh, there were documented killings by the people they released. Um, it was six, actually, in twenty four. Well, the current 14. leader of Hamas, what, I mean, the, what, the mastermind behind October 7th, Sinwar, so, was one so of the prisoners that was released. When you're making that calculation, aren't you saying, I'm going to save one life, but how many people are 1,027 terrorists going to kill? I may be killing 1,000 people. 
I think the answer is that we don't know what the future holds. We can only live in the present moment. And I would say that we get out every hostage that we can, and then we have to go in with full force. And do, um, and do you think that that deal that they did, the one for 1,027, don't you think it encourages them to continue to do that? Like, they don't do that to us. Well, I think that that we, was – I think that October 7th was a response to that because they saw how much we value life, and they want to use that against us as a weapon. And it very much works because but, we – as the Jewish people will always hold that value. It's it's something that is in our genetic makeup from our <laughs> I very guess beginning. I'm asking you, do you think you should rethink it in light of how it is exploited by the opposition? So in Afghanistan and in Iraq, right, the American army killed more civilians than the IDF has killed. You know that. I mean, this whole idea that, that you, got, that you uh, guys nobody... kill civilians is ridiculous. You do you, There's no army that I've ever heard of that goes out of its way not to kill civilians the way – the Israeli army does. Exactly. Any decent army doesn't kill civilians, but they don't get themselves too upset about the fact if civilians are in the way, sorry. I mean, we got to keep our soldiers alive. Well, the Israeli army is the most moral army in the world. Of course it is. That is because we value every life, even the lives of people who want to kill us. And no, I mean, I I just, this is who we are. And it's, and it's not going to change. And I'm, I'm grateful I'm not in the position of prime minister because I can't imagine the, uh, this choice and this challenge. Yeah. That, oh, um, my goodness. It's that, terrible. That BB is in. No, you and, don't want to uh, make you, you know, don't want to make this choice because as the prime minister with the experience that BB has, he knows that it's not just a speculative. I mean, he could have almost predicted that these people are going to go kill somebody right right away, even just to make them look bad. They'll do it. Of course. I mean, they'll do it to, sh- to show you what, you know, see? but uh, The world has this obsession with Israel that it doesn't have with any other country. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, You're right. it's very hard because it, the, we're, we're fighting not only this war on the ground, but we're fighting in the court of public opinion. Um, and, you know, with social media, it's a whole, it's a whole different animal these days. And, 100%. Um, the, all the propaganda. You're fighting all of the political uh, prejudice that's involved in uh, colonization and all this other stuff. But you're also fighting exactly. the ancient uh, and the most horrible prejudice in the history of the world, which is uh, hating Jewish people. Exactly. Uh, there's, exactly. there's an element of that in this beyond just the usual political uh, hatred that's involved and positioning that's involved. And it's a terrible thing. I mean, yesterday... It's the um, core of it all is that it all comes down to anti-Semitism because anyone who can look at October 7th and the rape and the murder and the kidnapping and not be able to condemn it at their very core, there is just this intense Jew hatred because there's no other, there's no other situation like this where the world would either stay silent or align with the terrorists. Yeah. This is like, this is, this is like a group of young Americans, the ones we see out on the street, uh, uh, holding a demonstration for Hitler. Yep. I mean, if back in yep. 1938 or 37 or 35 or whenever, if we had a big demonstration in front of Rockefeller Center because we were being too hard on Hitler. I mean, it's, it's, exactly. it's absurd. It's, it's absurd exactly. what's, ha- what's happened to us. And it, it, uh, it's very, very sad. And it also says some very dangerous things about our country if we don't straighten it out. We've, well, that, that, we've lost, lost all moral but, compass. America. Exactly. A hundred percent. We really have. And, you know, I, I, we hear a lot of nice things 
that come from the, our political leaders, but we don't really see any action. We're not, you know, it's um, the the future does not look uh, does not look good for us right now in the current situation. And I worry. I'm a mom of three young Jewish children. How old are they? I worry about our future in this country and if we will be safe because people are seeing just how much they can get away oh. with. You know, being able to hold up a swastika in front of the Christmas tree lighting, as we saw last night, and in the streets of New York City, um, and not being properly punished for that. It's just, we, yeah, we're, I, it's, we're it's, opening I, all up I can a, tell you, Lizzie, opportunity for so much hate. I can tell you, without mm-hmm. doing any of this, I told you so, there'd be no way in a million years if I were mayor that would have happened. Just wouldn't, and it would have been over as soon as it started. Uh, you just wouldn't get to do that if you had a decent mayor and a decent government yep. and people who had decent morals. And uh, we got to get back. We got to get back to that somehow. Uh, we deep in our we really bones, do. we're a great country, and we've got to find it again. But thank you, and thank yeah, you, and thank I, you for I, your I analysis. I have to hold on to hope. But a lot I of people. Do. Don't. I have to hold on to hope. It's a beautiful explanation. It's a perplexing one, and it's an, from a, a practical point of view, it's an annoying one. But it's a beautiful explanation of, of one of the reasons why uh, the, the Jewish religion, the Jewish experience has given so much to Western civilization. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, you're one of the three, four main pillars of the greatest civilization in the history of the world. And that's another thing. People don't value Western civilization any longer. No, they don't. And that's the biggest irony of it all is that our far left has now aligned with the most extremist jihadist ideology and it just it's it is the most pro- it is t- totally ridiculous people look at look at the uh, uh the gay and lesbian community I know. Uh, marching I know. for hamas i mean hamas had killed them in two <laughs> seconds if they, they, i know, they would, if, I know. If, it's 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 mind-boggling it's truly baffling and and these women's rights or you know the u.n women won't won't condemn the the rape that happened and it's, you know, women's organizations that are aligning with Hamas. It's just, it's, it doesn't make any sense. So I, I really give you one believe that's the root of it all. Before we go, yeah. when yeah. you take a poll nationally, less than 10% of the American people support Palestine. And uh, well over 70% support Israel. The rest are undecided. But the actual support for Palestine, not even Hamas, we get beyond Hamas. Hamas is about 2%. So it is a small group of people making a lot of noise also. But we got to activate right. the rest of the country. The rest of the country, uh, uh, 70, 80 percent support wiping out Hamas. So I think that the problem is that people are too afraid to speak up because they don't want to get, you know, this whole cancel culture thing. And yeah. the, it, what has been so brilliantly done is that. They, uh, that the the word Zionist has become equated with the word racist, and the worst thing to be called this day and age is, is a racist. And so people don't want to say that they support Israel because then they'll be lumped in with the worst with the worst thing that with the worst category. And so they may support, but they're not they're not being vocal. And that's why I'm out there trying to just empower people to speak up and say they stand with us. Well. Thank you very, very much, Lizzie. We'll talk again. And you're, you really make a very, very big contribution. God bless you. And God bless Israel and the United States. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you. So nice Thank to you. be here, Mayor Giuliani. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Uh, let's go to uh, Don in North Carolina uh, because I do uh, – well, go ahead, Don. 
Mr. Mayor, thank you for taking my call. This coming January, there's going to be a court case concerning the integrity of the electronic voting machines in the state of Georgia. <laughs> and I was wondering if you had any comments yeah, about it. Yeah, that's my comment. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure where the case is being held in federal. Well, I'm not sure it'll be a fair, a fair trial. You, you want to ask me about the integrity of the machines in, in Georgia? <laughs> well, it's a, before a case, and Dick Morris was uh, suggesting that Michael Ford and and uh, re- reinstate paper ballots in Georgia. Well, yeah, they should. You know, um, I would I would suggest that you go get a movie called Kill Chain. The movie was done in twenty eighteen, before the twenty twenty election. And it yeah. points out how prone to manipulation, fraud, deceit, uh, all these machines are. And uh, and the one in particular used there was selected for that reason because there was real suspicion that Governor Kemp had used machines in defeating um, – in defeating um, – uh, remember the woman he ran against who claimed she won? But he had a machine from ES&S. And the suggestion in Kill Chain is that they that they fix those machines. So Kemp then went ahead and got another company. Uh, now it turns out that Kemp's chief of staff works for that company, and Rafsenberg chief of staff worked for the company. So I don't know. And then they would never let us ever 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 examine the machines ever. Or the paper. So if uh, Kemp and Rafsenberger are so sure that this was a great election, wouldn't you let the whole world examine the machine? And wouldn't you let the whole world examine the paper? Of course you would. So uh, this is stupid, covered up, dishonest, crooked. Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia, it's like uh, Boss Tweeds, New York. Maybe worse. Uh, We'll be back uh, very shortly. Rudy Giuliani on 77 WABC. And now it's time for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Mayor's Final Thoughts. This is Rudy Giuliani, and this is the Mayor's Final Thoughts, sponsored by Tunnel to Towers, the organization that takes care of those people in uniform, who protect us, and in the course of doing that, lose their lives or lose their limbs and are unable to, to, to take care of themselves in a full and complete way. And Tunnel to Towers is there. They're there with a check to pay off the mortgage of the home to help the family reestablish. They're there to build homes that give uh, people the maximum amount of independence, and they're there to support and to help. You want to be part of that. $11 a month, T2T.org. T, the number two T dot org, and you'll be helping the people who help us and put everything at risk for us. Well, you know, we were just talking about elections, and there are two cases uh, that are in the news today uh, which uh, defy uh, the uh, New York Times and all of the phonies who say, oh, there's no election fraud, no election fraud, no election fraud. A Virginia election official was indicted for altering election results in the 2020 election. A Democrat in Prince William County, 
a county that Biden won by 64 percent. They don't give the numbers. They say it's not enough to change the election result. But, of course, you know, <laughs> a little here, a little there. And as someone once said, I think Dirksen, it becomes real money. Uh, it's never usually one uh, fraud that changes the election results. But when you start off with one, then there are sometimes two and three and four and five and six and seven, eight, nine, ten, like there are in the ones that I investigated. I never investigated Virginia. I was told there were a tremendous amount of irregularities in Virginia, but I thought we were too far off the mark to prove that. But this is an indictment of a Democrat official for changing numbers in favor of Biden in the 2020 election. It's a current indictment. So go stick that up your you-know-what. Also, Smartmatic, uh, the company that's suing me, as well as President Trump and everybody else for defamation, even though I just told the truth about them, Smartmatic has now been disqualified in the Philippines for being involved in a bribery scheme involving uh, Filipino elections with the top official in the Philippines. They paid him bribes in order to get contracts. Gee, did it ever occur to you that maybe you think bribes get paid in the United States? What do you think? You think American politicians take bribes or it's just Filipino politicians that pay bribes? And if you think a company like Smartmatic is paying bribes in the Philippines, you think they'd make a big distinction uh, somewhere else? Well, I'm not saying. I'm just saying um, maybe it's going to turn out that Trump and I were right about all this. Hmm? So far, everything that's been brought to conclusion, we're right about, right? Russian collusion, Russian disinformation with the hard drive, right? We're telling the truth. They're a bunch of liars. Now you got a Democrat indicted in Virginia for changing the results of the 2020 election. Okay, just a little change, but a change. And now you got one of the companies that's going around trying to intimidate people that's been disqualified uh, for bribing the top election official in the Philippines. Um, Oh, there are plenty more. But uh, tonight there's going to be a debate between Ron DeSantis and uh, Gavin Newsom. And I know it's kind of a lot of people think it's silly and what I think it's interesting and I'm going to look forward to it and look at it because I don't think that well I don't think uh, uh, Ron has a chance against uh, meaning Ron DeSantis uh, against uh, Trump but it could be that Newsom will be the candidate I do not believe that Biden's going to make it to the end and I also want to say something about my friend Henry Kissinger Henry was a friend of mine even a client of mine uh, since 1975 and uh, many, many times when, when I was younger and he was younger, two or three times a year I'd have lunch with him when I was mayor and U.S. attorney just to have him teach me, <laughs> just to have him uh, t- talk to me about foreign policy. And the last such occasion was on an airplane where we were stuck for two and a half hours. And I'm going to do a special recording of that uh, and put it out in his memory. And what a great man. I mean, obviously I had disagreements with him but uh, one of the giants of the 20th century and going into the 21st century. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. We're going to miss him. A great American, too, and a great Yankee fan. God bless him, and God bless America.